Hi everyone and welcome to Bought by the Hour. I am so glad you're here with me. My name is Jill. I'm your host and today I'm going to talk to you about um, just some of the ways that the trafficking has negatively affected my life now that I'm kind of in more of a normal-ish part of life. (laughs) Strong on the ish. Um, but I hope you stick with me through this. Some of it is, um, going to be kind of obvious and then some of it will be things that you probably didn't realize. So here we go. As always, before every episode, I want to insert a clear content warning. Some of the topics that we discuss are considered disturbing or triggering. I want you to consider this before listening any further. Some of the topics that we discuss are physical, mental, and sexual abuse, violence, trafficking, and drug use. Alrighty, so just kind of jumping right into this, I think um, the first thing that I want to point out is that the worst way that this has changed me is my mental health. Um, there were some physical repercussions. There were lots of mental repercussions, but I, it's been the hardest part to get over (laughs) is the, the mental struggle of it all. Um, officially I would say, um, how it's changed me is just some of the diagnoses that I've received. So, um, I have formally been diagnosed with PTSD, Um, severe anxiety disorder, and Stockholm Syndrome. The Stockholm Syndrome is more something that, depending on the severity of the case, can kind of go away. Um, I don't know that it's like (laughs) it's just gone and you don't suffer from it anymore. There's just a difference in the, like, hold that it has over you. Um, With with Jack... (sighs) I don't love him anymore. I appreciate the love I did have for him at one point. Um, But I'm no longer like actively in love with him and fighting those feelings of like wanting to return to be with him. Um, Actually, the idea of going back is so terrifying. Uh, (laughs) So definitely good on that one. But it does still kind of affect how your brain works um, and some of the relationship responses that I have, I feel like are a little Stockholm syndrome responsy sometimes. Um, and I have to kind of be like, hey, sorry about that, <laughs> you know, when things like that happen. But um, I was actually, I was quite surprised that like even just doing the outline for this episode was pretty overwhelming. Um, I try really hard not to focus on the negative things that happened to me during that point of time. Um, like (laughs) not even talking about like specific times or like memories or stories from that, like that doesn't bother me as much as like delving into the inside of me and, um, exposing all of the problems that I have now because of this. I think one of the hardest parts about having PTSD and getting triggered is that no matter how much I try to control my environment and not, you know, put myself in situations or in places where I know that I'm going to get triggered, um, I can't always control it. 
like <laughs> sometimes I just have no choice because there are triggers literally everywhere. Um, some of them are like super specific, um, certain brands. There's a brand of clothing that Jack used to wear. I had never heard of it until I um, was with Jack and then I walked into, I think, like a Dillard's or something uh, not long after I got out of New York. And I remember when I walked in and I saw this sign, like it was the first thing when I walked in the door and I was just like, oh my God, like I turned around and walked back out (laughs) because I just couldn't like, I was like, why? Well, I never heard of this brand before my whole, you know, 20 years of life. And then of course, as soon as I get out, now I'm seeing it like in my hometown and you know, things like that. The the smell of casinos, I know that is probably weird, but and and ultra specific, but it's one thing that like I didn't realize until recently. I had not been in a casino since I was in the Jack New York situation. Um recently my my mom uh kept my kid for a little while and you know, she was like, Go have some fun. So a friend of mine, I was like, why don't we go? There's a casino right down the road. Let's just, you know, go hang out, grab a drink or whatever. And when I walked in, I had, I had barely even made it from the parking garage into where the elevators were. The smell hit me like a brick wall. And like the first thing I did was like grab my shirt and put it up over my nose and I just held my nose. And, um, the person that was with me was like, you know, are you okay? What's going on? And I was like, uh, yes, I am. Okay. I need a second. Um, I said, I didn't realize until right now that all casinos smell the same. They, I, it took me back to like New Jersey, New York, like so fast. <laughs> um, it, it was hard. Um, and we actually ended up, we didn't end up staying for very long because I, I couldn't take it. Um, it was nauseating and I couldn't even focus on being there and having fun because it was just so much like it it was just it that's all like the smell is and i've noticed that for me personally um when the trigger is a smell my response seems to be a lot stronger um i don't know what it i I know that like just in general like our smell and taste senses are you know cause a little bit of a stronger reaction than like visual but um it it it's bad. <laughs> um, I've, I worked at a gas station for a little while. It happened um, two or three times I can think of that someone would walk in and was wearing the same cologne that Jack used to wear. And I I freeze. It, everything stops working inside of me. I'm like a brick wall. <laughs> I had a coworker look at me and she was like, are you going to pass out? And I was like, I don't think so. But I could not process anything at that moment. <laughs> like, I had no idea. Just because instantly my brain was like that's him and there's nothing i can do to shut it off like there's nothing that can take those memories away and um i don't know that i would completely want them to be gone but i would like for them to not hurt as bad that'd be cool um i just don't know that that's you know that's not really an option that i have right now to like turn that off some triggers are like super random uh and i have like (laughs) no control when they pop up um, the other day I had walked out to my car to grab something. We are, you know, still in this like weird spring, you know, whatever weather. And so I had a jacket on and as I walked back into my house, the door handle, 
like the way that I moved into the door just happened to line up correctly and my jacket pocket got wrapped around the handle of the door when I real I felt the resistance you know because I was stuck into the door <laughs> um my brain immediately said he's found me he's here and I'm getting taken like that was the first like I turned to like punch mystery person who was taking me <laughs> um and it was just the door it was just a but but the amount of like panic inside of my body like the amount of time that it took me to calm down from that um and that's something that's hard to you know i when i'm at work and things like happen randomly that i'm triggered and i have a panic attack they'll ask me you know like are you okay you're still shaking and i'm like listen like logically like my brain like i understand i'm okay i'm no longer you know i was never in danger i'm not in danger now everything is okay my body has not gotten the memo and it just takes a second for it to catch up because you know that adrenaline rush is you know powerful <laughs> and it, you, know, you can't just you know un adrenaline your body and so you know i think my therapist whenever i had first gotten out was telling me that you can actually get to a point where your adrenal gland is stuck open and she said it sounds like that's where you're at like you because you were in a fight or flight for so long it will actually just cause it to stay open and so you live in a fight or flight so one of the issues that i feel like i have developed since jack is um you know and one that i guess i feel like affects both me and the people around me um i was sitting and having a session with my therapist recently and i was like look i have an issue that i need to talk to you about but i don't know how to say this um but basically <laughs> my ptsd is racist and I feel really bad and I don't know how to fix it. And he's like, okay, can you explain that to me? <laughs> but the problem is, is that anytime I see anyone that is the same race that Jack was, there's a pause in my brain. As soon as I look at their face, I know it's not him, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Like, my body has already worked itself up. Um, and in a world right now where we're dealing with such, like, a culture crisis, like, focused on race and letting this, you know, there just being so many issues with white people, basically. <laughs> just so many issues with white people. <laughs> um, that it, it puts me in a situation that, because I, as a person have zero racist feelings like the fact that jack was a different race than i was was never a problem in in the situation like i saw pictures of him and talked to him and was what i thought dating him you know uh knowing his race the entire time so it was like never a problem now <laughs> everyone who is that race could possibly be him for a half a second before i like actually have the time to look at their face and process it and realize that it's not him and while it only takes me you know a millisecond to like figure that out there is still a reaction on my part um there's a facial reaction like i usually either go like dead face or just look shocked i usually have a hard time breathing like 
And I don't want to ever make anyone feel insecure or feel that I'm judging them for something as stupid as their race, which we like don't get to pick, by the way. Um, and it it bother it just it hurts me that I could possibly be hurting others as a reaction to being hurt. <laughs> So one of the other major areas of my life that this has affected is working and making money. (laughs) Um, I'm still glad to go. Don't get me wrong. I know I talked about that in the How It Changed Me for the Good episode. And I do, I appreciate the opportunity to go to work. Um, I don't always appreciate actually going to work, if that makes sense. (laughs) Um, The mental stress of peopling like all day long is exhausting for me. Um, I think it's part of that adrenal gland being stuck open and living in fight or flight and being on high alert all the time. Every human feels like a risk to me. Like every single random person that I encounter is a chance that like something could go wrong. And the general public just equals more triggers in general like that's just how it is unfortunately um i've heard a lot of like you know experts and things who are now studying human trafficking that they've said the gas stations are the worst place for human trafficking survivors to work because every single person in society goes to the gas station um you encounter every single kind of person there there is no like limit to who you can come in contact with and it is and it's true i mean i worked at a gas station one time after i got out it was very short and i apologized to them i was like i'm sorry i just can't like i can't be triggered all day long at work like it's just too much for my brain to handle on top of you know regular work stress and anxiety and you know all of those things um on top of that so even in like so the job that i work now um i sort of work with the general public but not as much um some of the positions that i get to work are you know kind of in the back so i'm away from people uh for for part of my day so that helps but there are days where it's just too much you know stuff in the first half of the day too many angry people Um, people cussing me out like (laughs) happens on a regular basis at my job unfortunately and so um i have to leave early because i am like mentally expended i have given everything that i have to give for that day and i don't have i just don't have anymore like i'm gonna lose my shit like that's the nicest way to say it if i stay here any longer um and we have joked um the person i'm dating and i we, we joke around now that you know, on those days, I tell them that um, in order pr- to protect, you know, the reputation of the company, I'm going to need to leave early <laughs> because if y'all keep me here, I'm going to start acting crazy and it's not going to be okay. Um, and while they are understanding to an extent, it still messes with the workflow of things, you know, and scheduling because now, you know, I'm, they're a person down. And you know, we're already short-staffed. I think guys is everyone for some reason at this point. Everybody needs jobs. Nobody can find a job and everybody's short-staffed. It's very confusing, but either way. So it's just, it then it, it puts some guilt on me because then I feel bad for abandoning my coworkers and feeling like I'm leaving them with more work because of my mental issues. 
you know, I call out probably more often than I'm comfortable with. A, because I'm just physically overworked or a lot of times, or there have been times where I have to just say, hey, I have to take a mental day off. You know, whatever conversation with my lawyers or conversation with my therapist or, you know, whatever weird trigger that caused, you know, a memory. And then I sat on the couch for four and a half hours, rambling, you know, randomly remembering things like whatever it was that happened. I'm not okay today. And, you know, that is something that's hard for people to understand who don't have trauma. Um, and it's definitely something that corporations and businesses don't seem to appreciate or know how to handle. And so, you know, recently I've had a problem with, with my job with saying that I didn't work shifts that are long enough to qualify for the breaks, you know, so you only get two 15 minute breaks if you work eight hours, but some of my shifts are seven and a half hours or seven hours and 45 minutes. And I, without trying to be like a dick, you know, I looked at my boss the other day and I'm like, yeah, um, so unfortunately there's no difference in my anxiety ridden brain between seven hours and 45 minutes and eight hours. And I need those 15 minute breaks to step away and go kind of deescalate, um, you know, so that I can keep handling people for the rest of the day. And my coworkers need that and they don't have the issues I have. So the fact that I have to like argue for that is a little aggravating, but in the long run, my, my job basically told me I need to have my therapist fill out some paperwork and I'm going to have to get an accommodation for my disability just for a 15 minute break. So <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's made things challenging to do like regular jobs, but at the same time, there are not really any other realistic options you know, besides working out in the world and the public and doing things, you know, I, I would love to find like a work at home job or something that I could do for my house and not have to like encounter the public all the time. But, you know, I, while I have enough, you know, diagnoses to completely qualify for disability, I would like to move forward in life at some point, And that is really hard to do on a fixed income. I've seen so many people struggle that are on disability, you know, because they have no choice. And so I'm torn in, you know, do I, <laughs> do I possibly lose jobs though because of my disability? Because having no job it is worse than being on disability. So there's just, everything is kind of chaotic when it comes to trying to figure out how to work and handle my mental health at the same time. So when it comes to relationships, um, my bullshit meter fills up so fast, <laughs> um, especially if it's developing relationships with new people. Um, I have a tendency to cut people off so fast, like one red flag, you're out, I'm done. Um, there are certain personalities that I just can't. Sometimes I worked at a different location for my job for a while, and one of the coworkers of that job just her personality was so aggressive that it kind of sent me into like a submissive weird um i just couldn't it, it wasn't very good <laughs> and so it gave me a lot of anxiety and a lot of um problems and so i i ended up just kind of saying like you know hey i'm, I'm gonna have to transfer back to you know where i was working before just because 
it was so stressful um, for me. And, and that's hard because it's not necessarily that there's anything wrong with that person. It just, we just can't um, mesh <laughs> because of my issues. Um, I apologize all the time, constantly. Like that is a jack 100%. Uh, everything was my fault all the time. Anything that went wrong was definitely me or something I did. And so I apologize like repeatedly for things I don't need to apologize for. Um, my partner now will be like, why are you sorry? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Cause it's cause I am, <laughs> you know? Um, and so learning like how the person that I am now functions in a healthy relationship is, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's kind of like meeting a new person and discovering a new person and, you know, figuring out who I am. But at the same time, you know, learning how to like kind of get around these new roadblocks that I've got and learning how to communicate past, you know, and through those has been challenging, you know, more challenging than I thought it would be. Um, some days I just can't like at all. I just can't do anything. Um, and it's hard for people to understand when this disease is so invisible. Um, all of the diagnoses that I mentioned, like you can't see any of those. And I have to kind of remind, you know, my job and things like that on a, on a fairly regular basis <laughs> that, you know, I know I look okay, but I'm not. It, and it, you cannot go off of what I look like because I will smile and tell you I'm not all right because I don't like having to say those things and I try to kind of soften the blow. <laughs> but, you know, there are just days that I just can't. Like it's whether it was, you know, a conversation with my therapist from the night before or a phone call with my lawyer or a movie that I watched that triggered me and then I sat on the couch for four and a half hours, like, you know, running through memories in my brain and now I have expended all of today and tomorrow's energy and I just can't. And that's, you know, that's hard for them to understand. They're like, but you're not sick. And I'm like, not physically. <laughs> nope, I'm not. <laughs> you know, and it, it, sometimes at work, you know, I've had one coworker that's had a problem with it, but she said one time, she was like, well, why does she get to be late from lunch? And I just want to be like, because I'm broken. Thank you. I applied for a new brain. I'm waiting on a reply. But, you know, I just can't control it. I can't turn it off. I can't. I have zero like, I, I don't get to have any input on how this affects my life or what it does or what, you know, how it presents itself. <laughs> Sometimes my anxiety attacks happen at very inconvenient times, like while I'm trying to do stuff or work or, you know, enjoy myself. And it ruins, you know, my day and the people that I'm with their day possibly. And, you know, sometimes my kid has bad days because I have bad days. And and that really sucks. Like, that's probably one of the hardest parts of this is just the daily wear and tear on, like, my energy and my motivation to continue being a human in this world is, you know, just that some days it feels like every single day is a challenge and it's exhausting and it's wearing me out. That being said, I've done a lot of healing. I've done a lot of learning. It's been a good process for me at the end of the day. And I think with like, you know, a little bit of support and a little bit of therapy and, you know, I might hang out with Mary Jane every now and then. I think I'll be all right. 
thank you guys so much for joining me for this episode. Um, I know this one was a little bit longer. I hope you guys were you know, able to stick around and enjoy it. I loved being able to share some of this stuff with you and be as open and raw as I was. I feel like this is more of a real, um, I mean, not that they haven't all been real, but this is, this is more me, less of what happened to me. Um, and, and this is kind of the stuff I would like to share with you guys, you know, and kind of what the daily struggles are. And so if you guys have any ideas, uh, any suggestions, anything you would like to throw in, you can always go to the Spotify for Podcasters app or the website. You can leave me a voice message there. I can feature those on the show. Um, you know, but I would love some input, some feedback. As always, it is a huge help if you could share this with your friends, your family, on social media, wherever. You can find Bought by the Hour on Facebook and on TikTok. Uh, I do post little shorts there also. So if you guys would like to do that, it always helps the algorithms, the more likes and comments and shares that we get. So any of that is always appreciated. Um, But anybody who wants to reach out, I am more than glad to, to hear from you and answer your questions. Um, you know, any suggestions you have, I'll take them. So thank you guys so much for joining us and I can't wait to talk to you next time.